Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. Well, today is uh, Father's Day, and as you guys know, um, most of you, that uh, I grew up without a father um, in my home for most of my life. And then I had a stepfather, and he and I often would get into it and uh, even fist, uh, fist uh, cuffs, as they would say, and I uh, had some, some difficult times. But through all of that, I think I'm, I'm really thankful that at some point in my childhood, I understood the difference between bad examples and everyone being bad. The idea that just because I've had a bad example of what it means to be a godly man doesn't mean that godly men don't exist, and it doesn't mean that I would never have a chance to grow into one. And uh, our society, unfortunately, has kind of taken the other bent. We've rightfully so seen some um, things in the news and um, over generations of fatherless homes and the media um, trying to downplay and diminish the role of the dad um, for, for dozens of years. I mean, since I was a teenager watching Married with Children, and you see a husband at home that just puts his hand in his pants and sits around and loafs around watching football, and you think, well, there you go. And you got all these other TV shows that just show men in the worst possible light um, as idiots, um, as not responsible, as not very loving or caring and uh, not really interested in caring for the emotional needs of the people around them. And as a result, over time, our society has kind of said, we don't want uh, strong male leadership. What we want is to get rid of the idea of gender altogether. What we want is to get rid of the idea of masculinity altogether. And if you assert that you're strong, um, then you're obviously asserting you're wrong. And as a result, what we have is a confused society. In, in many regards, our society is confused because God designed the world to operate a certain way. And uh, men and women, regardless of whatever we might see uh, <laughs> on the news or whatever political agenda is being pushed, men and women are innately, inherently uh, different. And that's not to be something to make better or worse. That's something that's just we are. Um, the, the fact is, is that um, uh, women um, are gifted by God uh, to be the nurturers. My kids run to my wife first when it comes to um, most things about falling and skinning a knee or um, having an emotional uh, outburst or wanting to be prayed for and talked to in the evening. And they run to me um, for things for protection. And will you help me understand? And will you help me fix this? And that's just a, a nature that goes with it. And so instead of denying the roles that God has given us, we should emphasize both, and we should encourage both, and we should celebrate equally both, and simply allow men to be men and women to be women and celebrate that. But the problem is, is society for a couple of generations now has not seen really good examples of godly men. And so society says, what do we do with this masculinity thing? What do we do with, with guys? I can promise you when I talk to single women, they inevitably tell me part of the reason I'm still single is I can't find a godly man. There's too many little boys that are still growing up and being told they're men, but they don't have any sense of responsibility. They're not very generous. They're not in touch with their emotions. They're not very servant-oriented. They believe their life is all about pounding beers and racking up women. And as a result, they don't know how to be men. 
And so as you have a society that's drifting away from the idea of lifting up the good side of being a godly man, and as you have a culture that's looking and saying, man, we're confused about everybody's situation, you don't have a, a lot of biblical teaching about what is it like to be a godly man. But I'm so thankful, like I said, in my life, I didn't have an earthly example in the home. But early on, I realized that the scriptures taught me that my God in heaven, my uh, Father in heaven, is the example that I'm to be looking towards. That Jesus in the flesh is the example of what it is to be a godly man. And so for me, I began to look at the scriptures and to dig in and to say, you know what I've got to do? What I've got to do to grow up to be a worthwhile man, a worthwhile human, I need to be an imitator of Jesus. And where Jesus did it, that's what I need to do. And so in a few occasions, Jesus was strong, and Jesus did go into the temple, and he did put his foot down, and he did flip over tables, and he did pick his battles. But in other occasions, in many more occasions, it was the godly man to walk in a room and defend a woman who was about to be stoned by men and say, that's not going to happen on my watch. I'm here to protect the weaker vessel. You're not going to treat her that way. And so it was this godly embodiment of manhood that God said, you know what, I want you to emulate Jesus. And so you and I can have hope and say, you know what, there is a place for the godly man. There is a place for a man to be strong. There is a place for the man to be defending those who are weaker. But also, the scripture says, the shortest verse in all of the Bible, do you know it? Jesus wept. And, and, and over and over and over, you see that the people that were closest to Jesus, his early ministry had so many women associated with it. And so you see, not this, we're going to take over the world masculinity, beat my chest. What you had was a group of people that believed the kingdom had come and his name was Jesus. The first people to Jesus' grave were women. The first to give testimony about his resurrection were women. And so the idea of godly manhood being in conjunction, in support with godly womanhood is biblical. And so you and I, we've got to look and just say, man, okay, if that's the case, if there is a place and if there is a role for a godly man, what does that look like and where do I go? Well, today I want to uh, walk you through one example of where you might be able to find it. I decided when I was young that I was going to do two things to become a godly man growing up. I said, one, I'm going to do the opposite of every deadbeat man that I see in my life. If I see a deadbeat man and I say that is a jerk or that is that right there, I don't respect that. When I see a deadbeat dude, I just automatically, since I was a teenager, say, what would a good man do? If you don't like that thing, if you don't like that abusive nature, if you don't like that aggression, if you don't like, what does a godly man do in that situation? And over time, I promise, when you think that way, you're going to realize, instead of simply crying out and carrying picket signs and screaming, no masculinity, what you're going to do is you're going to say, no, 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 that's wrong. But the lesson is what is right. And if you do the what is right long enough, you start to look like a godly man. 
So I said, number one, I'm going to do everything opposite. And in my case, as a kid, I said, I'm going to do the opposite of whatever my father did. My father was never there for me. Some of the stories, would, he'd be smoking weed, walking down the street, and I'd be patting on the inside of the door, trying to get his attention when I was two or three years old. Daddy, come, come in, come play with me. And I decided that, you know what, when I got old enough and when I had children, I would never have kids that had to beg for me to play with them. What does a godly man do? So I decided I'm going to do the opposite of whatever a deadbeat does. But number two, and most importantly, I'm going to follow the greatest godly man that's ever existed, Jesus. I'm going to learn Jesus, study Jesus, walk alongside of Jesus in the stories, and I'm going to become as close as I can in this body, an embodiment of who Jesus would be if he were me. And so for us, when we think about Father's Day, or when we think about celebrating manhood, when we think about the way, I want you to understand, you don't have to throw out the idea of being a man. That's ridiculous. The world needs godly men. There are evil men that would use their strength and their power and authority in an evil and ugly way to destroy and mutilate and sexually explicit, uh, exploit and, and run over entire continents of people. That's why we fought wars. And so you need an equal and opposite reaction. Actually, not equal. You need a stronger and opposite godly reaction to be able to keep peace in the world. The enemies of, of, of the light aren't looking around saying, gee, if only the godly men would be more feminine, we'll leave them alone. Nobody's looking and saying, you know what we need in the world is more men to be feminine, and then we'll just stop fighting them. No, the evil men that are in the world that want to steal, kill, and destroy, they don't need you to become feminine. They need you to become godly so that they know not to mess with you. They know not that that's not a place that you're going to be able to just walk in and, and rob and pillage and destroy. But how do you do it in a godly way? How do you have the strength to both be able to flip the tables and say, not in this house, and also have the strength to be able to show that you cried in front of other people? It takes strength to do both. It takes strength to, to give out mercy and grace to other people because the only reason you can give away mercy and grace is when you've been offended. And it takes strength to be able to give away grace. It takes strength to be able to give away mercy. And so men, I beg you, I implore you, stop believing that the only way you can be a godly man is to be a weak man or to be feminine. Start learning that there is a godly way to go about using your masculinity for the good of others and to the glory of your God. And when you do that, you're going to find that you don't have to show off as much. You don't have to try to put other people down. You don't have to talk about how much beer you can drink and how many women you've been with. You'll start to realize, wow, I become secure. I know who I am. I know who God is. And I'm ready to lead people towards Jesus. That's your role, men. And women, when you see those qualities, it's not good enough to just think about it. Oh, that's nice. Because you don't understand the battle that that man's raging every day to stay on the right path and to be a good man. And so can I tell you from the outset that when you see good, godly attributes in a man, tell him. Tell him. 
I see God in you. I see you acting like Jesus. I see you loving me well. If you want more of that, tell him. Tell him. We need to lead, men. But because I have uh, a desire for holidays of Mother's Day and Father's Day, whenever I teach lessons, I try to take the, uh, the, the lesson and make it applicable to everybody. So that way you don't skip when it's Mother's Day, dudes, and you don't skip when it's Father's Day, ladies. And so as a result, you're going to hear everything framed today in terms of leadership. I believe men are called to be leaders in every sphere. I believe men are called to be leaders in their home. I believe men are called to be leaders in their church. I believe men are called to be leaders in society. I believe men are called to be leaders. And the leaders that I'm talking about, the scripture says, the greatest among you is your servant. So when you hear me out of my mouth say, leader, 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 it's chief servant, servant, servant. It means someone who's strong enough that they can lead the pack, but they're going to lead the way in serving others. They're going to lead the way in generosity. I had somebody, uh, I've been working for years personally on this, and I try really hard, and I'm, and I'm not perfect at all. But I had somebody recently, uh, I was, Christy knows that, that I work really hard at just giving generosity, and I get a lot of joy out of it. She thinks it's because I grew up poor. I think because I'm following Jesus, but we'll work it out. But anyway, I had a friend say, uh, my wife was asking why you've been so nice to us the last couple of weeks. What do you want? (laughs) And I said, please tell your wife that I'm just a nice guy. (laughs) I need or want nothing from you. I just want to be a good human. And uh, okay, okay. (laughs) But listen, I believe generosity is the model of Jesus. And I believe that the more that God gives me, I need to give to others. And so I try to practice that to keep myself humble and to enjoy the blessings that he does give me. And so as a result in my life, I I do believe that you can imitate Christ in generosity. But today I'm going to read John 14, verses 1 to 14. And as we do, we're going to look at uh, three factors in following the way of Jesus. And men, pay attention. This is how to be a good, good godly man. Ladies, pay attention. This is how to look for and encourage a good godly man. All of us pay attention because these are lessons that can be applied to everybody. Um, but we all need to lean in and become more like Christ. Let not your hearts be troubled, the scripture says. Believe in God, believe also in me. This is Jesus. In my Father's house, there are many, many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be, that where I am, there you may also be, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you've seen him. So so Jesus is telling him, you know what? If you want to get to dad, 
You got to come through me. I was uh, in, in Africa a couple of years ago with Shadrach. And, and I remember every time we would come up to a compound, I would see a house sitting right at the front entrance to the compound. And I would, and the compound sometimes would have trees in the front or it might be a, a, a stick fence. But some way it was saying, you're crossing into a different property now. And there would be this little house. And so I started to ask Shadrach. I said, Shadrach. Why is it that in every compound area we approach, I see a small house at the entrance? He said, ah, oh, my brother. Is that, is that good, Shadrach? Karen thought that, uh, Karen thought that I was uh, Shadrach for a second. She's like, Shut. So, <laughs> and you know what he said? He said, that's the son's house. I said, how do you know all these houses and who lives in them? You, you can't possibly know. He said, my brother. He said, when the father gets older, when the son gets, gets strong enough to defend the home, they give him a new home at the entrance of the property. And Shadrach said that if you want to get to the father, You've got to pass the sun. I'm like, I think that's in the Bible. And he's like, yeah. So we're building a little hut in front of our house um, for Caleb. He's old enough. He's a man in most countries. <laughs> But here's the deal. The picture, the picture is there. Listen, I want you to get this. The picture is, is that in this case, in Africa, in this culture, the, the picture is, is that the son is there to defend the dad who's weaker. But Jesus was saying, I don't need to defend the dad. You need to come through me because the judgment of dad He needs to know that you know the Son. <laughs> There's a scene in a mob movie where they walk in. Yes, I just transitioned from Africa to the mob. There's a scene in a mob movie where they're talking about some guys and they say, you know what? Well, how do you introduce him? How do I know if he's a good guy? And they say, well, when I say he's our friend, that means you can trust him. If I say he's my friend then that means I'm not sure yet. Don't trust him. And Jesus, the picture of the gospel is that Jesus is saying, listen, my dad in heaven wants all of you to come, but he's got to know that you know the son. And so I stand at the door and I am the gatekeeper and I'm the one. You on your, trust me, you're outside of heaven. You have sin. You're dirty. You're messed up, my man. But if you'll come to me and I can show you in, if I can show you the way, if I can introduce you to dad, you're good. But, but, but I'm the way. You want to know where dad is? Come to me. I, I'll introduce you to, to the father, our father in heaven. And so he says this, he says to them, he said, Peter said, hey, where, or Thomas said, where do we go? He said, you go to me. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Nobody comes to the father except through me. Leaders know the way. There's this expression I'm going to give you today. Leaders know the way. 
Leaders go the way, leaders show the way. Leaders know the way, leaders go the way, leaders show the way. So leaders know the way. If you're, if you're trying to, to follow a leader who doesn't know the way, how many of you ever had a job and you're following somebody who don't know what they're doing? Yeah, your current boss, right? And so, so leaders need to know what they're doing. Leaders need to know where to go. And if you want to lead people to Jesus in your life, you need to understand the way yourself. You need to follow Jesus yourself. And so leaders know the way. And so Jesus said, you know what? You know where the way is? The way is through me. And so if you want to be a godly man, you need to know that the way to be a godly man is to go through Jesus. To go through Jesus and understand that Jesus is your Lord. Jesus is your shepherd. Jesus is your guide. Jesus is the one that puts breath in your lungs. He's the one in John 1, 1 that says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the way. And so at the very beginning... We shared about all my mentors last week, Carl and Rick and the other Carl and, and Kovacs. In a season of learning myself, I, I wasn't able to lead anybody. But I want, you to, I, want to know, I want you to know something. This past week, I, I told you last week in this new venture that I'm in, learning a new hobby, I went out with all these guys and I'm just asking questions and soaking up stuff. And am I still a rookie? Yeah. Do I still mess up a lot? Yeah. But guess what? In this whole new venture... I was able this week, after just a week or two on the water myself, I was able this week, I took out two trips. One with uh, some of our, our college guys from, from Towson, a couple of our guys, took them out on the water and I showed them what I know. I, I showed them how to tie the, the lures in and I showed them where to fish. I showed them which bait you use. I'm like, no, that's shallow water, that's deep water. And, and you would have thought, that I had been, the way I was talking, you'd have thought that I'd been walking as a fisherman for 30 years. But you know what? I don't need to know everything about fishing to teach somebody else what I know about fishing. I'm preaching better than you're replying today. Listen, I don't need to know everything. Some of you are paralyzed in your faith because you think you need to know more before you show somebody else the way to Jesus. You don't need to know everything about Jesus. All you need to know is what you know about Jesus. And how many of you are saying, Lord, show me more, show me more, help me get deeper. And he's like, you're not doing anything with what I taught you. Why would I give you more? What a waste of time. And you're sitting there and you're just like, Lord, I need to understand you. And you're singing songs, I want to know you. And it's like, no, you don't. Because I've already given you enough that you could bring somebody else along on this journey. And then I took my, my daughter out. And, and she's, she's a pro already. I'm going to have her on ESPN in like three weeks. She's going to be pulling bass out and paying for her own college. Listen, Jesus is our way to heaven. He says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. He's our way to heaven. You want to know how to get to heaven? You've got to go through Jesus. There's too many sermons. You go flip on the channels and surf the internet. There are too many ser sermons that are lacking Jesus. And we've got a whole society, a whole culture of Christians that are eating this stuff up. It's like a, ser a sermon without Christians. It's like Eminem without chocolate. Like, what is the point? And, and, and uh, without Christ. And so he's the way. He's also the truth. You want to know the truth of society, of life, how to live, who to live, all that, how to love, who to love? You want to know the truth about all this stuff? You go to Jesus. He said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I don't really care what else is out there standing opposed. We live in a society right now where everybody can march and protest and celebrate and carry flags in a parade. And we, we live in a society where everybody can speak up. 
except the Christian. Except the one that's saying, hey, in this marketplace of ideas, I think we're all created by God, and I believe that God sent his son Jesus to live and die, and I believe he loves you so much, he died and built the path to heaven for you. All you have to do is turn around and follow him. Oh, shut up, you bigot. It's like, what? No, 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 I'm just telling you, like, there's a God of love, and he loves you, and he built a bridge, and, and his name is Jesus, and, it, like, how to fix your life, like, comes through his plans for us. Go away, angry bigot. And we bought into this stuff, like, oh, well, then, man, maybe I, I, don't, I don't want to offend. Listen, don't be a jerk. But you risk offending people every time you step out of your door. Do you realize that? And if you don't realize that, like you're unaware. But some people offend me by their body odor. Somebody offend me, they offend me when they get inside the checkout line before I do. People offend me when I'm trying to park my car and they know I'm coming, but they put their blinker on. People offend me all the time. I don't protest them. I don't scream. You don't ever hear me talk about except for right now. It's a sermon illustration. Give me a break. But some of us are so paralyzed by being offending that we're not pointing out the God of love. And we got to get over ourselves. Because the truth is, I told somebody this the other day, one-on-one. Thank you. Thank you. we got to get over ourselves because I told somebody the other day, I was like, you know, the challenge is you're saying it's this thing over here. The real challenge you're going through is you've got to die to self over here. The issue you're wrestling with is not them. And I know you want to say it's them because you don't have to have any personal responsibility, but it's not them. The issue is you think of yourself too much. Because if you thought of yourself less, what they thought of you wouldn't even matter very much. You would just love well. And you'd let your head hit the pillow each night, and you'd say, did I love well today? But the reason you're skittish, the reason you're nervous, the reason you won't share Christ is because you're not following the way. The way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by Jesus. Then Philip spoke up. This will be good. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it'll be enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I not been with you for so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? What is Jesus saying? People say, the, the, by the way, you're going to have two or three faiths that come along, and they'll knock at your door, and they'll be like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. They'll be like, you know, thank you, you can go on now. And they'll be like, well, but I, don't, I mean, did Jesus ever really say he was the Father? And most Christians will answer that and be like, oh, I don't know. It's right there, people. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. Is that not enough? Jesus said, I've been with you the whole time. You still don't know me? Here's the thing, church. We got to step our game in understanding Jesus. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I'm, I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. What can we learn from this? We can learn that leaders go the way. Jesus said, you know what? If you're confused, just watch my life. Just watch my life. 
How many of us would honestly be able to tell a coworker who doesn't know Christ, if you're confused about this Jesus thing, just watch my life. You know what? Most of us are scared to say that. Some of you, you're, you're, you're like, I don't want to put a Christian, number one, I don't like stickers on cars. That's just a personal problem. But some of you are like, I don't want to put, I've heard people say this in church, I don't want to put a Christian fish on my car because I know what I do in traffic. Hello? Like, <laughs> maybe we just need to, like, live like we're following Jesus. You see what Jesus said here? He's like, hey, you know what? You, you know how I'm the father? Watch my life. If you want to be a godly man, you should be able to say, watch my life. The reason that you can trust me is that I've been faithful to Jesus. I don't follow my own opinion. I follow the Lord. And so men, when you're in your home and you're trying to make a decision and, and you have differences, she should be able to look at you if you say, I am following the Lord in this. Please trust me. Because then at that point, it's like, hold on, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me connect the knots here. The Lord Jesus, my husband, and me. And if he's following the Lord, and if I've seen evidence in his life that he's been following the Lord, when he pulls that I'm following the Lord card, I should be able to trust it. And it goes the other way. When, when my wife says, hey, Tolly, like, I heard from the Lord that that jacket is too loud for you. I say, go back and pray. <laughs> Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus spoke about going the way, but he didn't just speak about it. He spoke about his actions. He said, watch how I live. If you, want, if you don't want to trust my words, watch how I live. Men, if you want to be a godly man, you should be able to say, watch how I live. When Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. When Paul said, you know what? Is that you might not be able to see Jesus, but you can see me. Watch how I live. Do as those, in another place he said, do as those who have followed the example. Follow the example of those who have followed Jesus. If you want to be a godly man, just follow Jesus. It's pretty simple. It's simple. It's not easy, but it is simple. Jesus' evidence was in his actions. Jesus' evidence was in his actions. How do I know if I'm a godly man? Well, do you have actions that would match Christ? Do you have thought patterns? Do you speak? Do you love? Do you care? Do you shepherd? Are you tenderhearted? Do you defend the weak? Do you care for the orphan? Do you care for the widow? Are you about the things that Jesus is about? And if the answer is yes, then you're a godly man. You're a godly woman. If your answer is no, you don't suck your thumb and sit in the corner. You wake up tomorrow. And you say, today I'm going to be more like Jesus. I'm determined. Because I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but every one of us are going to be in a situation where there's going to be a room of a bunch of people, some crying, some telling stories, and you're, we're going to be sitting in a 
the front of the room in a box or in a container. And the summary of our life is not going to be found in what we've acquired, what we've built, what kind of monuments we've made to ourselves. The sum of our life is going to be found in, did they look like God? Did they remind me of something eternal? Did they push me towards a truth beyond myself? Did they make me think about forever? You want to be a godly man? You want to be a godly woman? Be able to say this like Jesus. You can't trust my words, just look at my actions. Find the truth about who I am and how I've behaved. Too many people go to church. Too many people are exposed, rightly so, for being complete frauds because their actions do not match the hype. Who you are is who you are before God. In the darkness, away from the lights, and nothing more. And we shouldn't be afraid of that. We should be joyful about that. God knows me, and I know him. One of the things that I've seen (laughs) tattooed recently on everybody, only God can judge me. And whenever I see that, I say, man, I'm afraid for you. Because most people are writing that on their body to say, humans shouldn't judge me. Leave me alone. Let me do what I want. Don't you try to tell me the way I should live my life. But bro, sister, only God can judge me. Only God will judge you. And whatever's done in secret, the scripture says, is going to be exposed in the light. And at the end, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you're either going to do it willingly ahead of time, or it'll be the first time. And so you and I get an opportunity on this earth to voluntarily and willfully surrender to King Jesus and say, that's how to live life. Follow me as I follow Christ. Verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also, look at this also. Whoa, 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 this preacher, this preacher's so good. Truly, truly, look what it says. It preaches itself. I'm just joking around. It preaches itself. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do what? Do the works that I do and greater works that he'll do. Because I'm going to my Father, Whoever you ask, whatever you ask in my name, this I'll do. That the Father might be glorified. Why will Jesus be for you? Why will Jesus go before you? Why will Jesus move mountains on your behalf? Why? Too many people, they believe like Jesus is for me. Jesus is celebrating. Jesus showering his grace over me. And it's like, why? And they don't have an answer. They're just like, I serve a God of love. It's like, no, I'm sorry, sister, you ain't that pretty. The God of the universe is not bowing down just for you. Why is he doing it? Why will he go before you? Why will he move mountains? Why will he change the trajectory of your life? Why will he do these things? He'll do these things if it glorifies the Father. 
Because I'm going to my Father, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, and the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. A leader not only knows the way, a leader not only goes the way, but a leader shows the way. Leaders show the way. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. How can they do that? They watch what Jesus did. Jesus has shown us how to be godly men and women. Jesus has laid the path. Jesus didn't just come and, and say, hey guys, um, y'all should worship me because I know what I'm talking about. He didn't just come and say, hey, not only do I know the way, but I've gone the way. He didn't just say, hey, um, you guys should worship me because I, I know what's up and I kind of have done some stuff myself. No, no, no. He said, listen, I'm going to show you how to live. I'm going to show you how that abundant life works in John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have what? life and they might have life more abundantly and everybody looks and says I want abundant life that sounds awesome it means you'll do the things Jesus did it doesn't mean you get to just go to church and throw in some tithe money and serve in the nursery once a month and go ah bless me no it's that God wants to bless those that are following his son. God wants to bless those that are blessing his son's name. God wants to reverberate his name around the world. And the way he does it is through followers who take his name seriously and who live it out and who trust in him and who put his name to the test and say, Lord, I am following you. And he says, because of that, I am going to bring blessing over you. Because I want other people to look at you and say, why? And I want you ready, right on your lips, to say, my King Jesus. My King Jesus has blessed me. Jesus lived this life as a model. I'm going to give you five. You need to write them down quick or get online later. Jesus showed us how to care for the sick. Matthew 14, 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed the sick. Jesus showed us to feed the hungry. Jesus called his disciples to him and he said, I have compassion for these people. They, they've already been with me three days and they haven't had anything to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they might collapse. He cared about people's physical needs. This isn't new. We live in a society that's like, oh, the church should be about social justice. It's like, yeah. Yes. The church should be about truth and the gospel. Yes. The church should be about feeding the poor. Yes. The church should be putting roofs over people's heads. Yes. The church should be in Africa making sure people don't starve and they have clean water and they've got an education. Yes, yes, and yes. And the church you're a part of is all that. Because we're following Jesus. That's the only reason. Nobody's making this stuff up. Jesus showed us, showed us to preach the kingdom. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them. Do you see the thread? The thread is he saw and he had compassion over people who were sick. He had passion over people who were hungry. He had compassion over people who needed to hear about the kingdom of God. He showed us all these things. Jesus showed us to, pray, to be in prayer for others. Jesus showed us to pray for others. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all of them might be one, Father, just as you and I 
are one. Jesus showed us to lay down our lives. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus laid down his life to show us that's the model to do for your own. You want to be a godly man or a godly woman, you will lay down your life for those that are in need. We are called, church, to know the way, to go the way, and to show the way to the way. We're called to know the way. We're called to go the way, do it ourselves. And we're called to show the way to the way. And you and I, we can no longer live according to the flesh and just go to church as a ritual and just be religious people. We've got to embrace this and download it and put it in our souls and make, it, make us come alive because we're following the one who made the way for us. There's no good for you to go to heaven if you're living your life around 50 people who won't. Open up your mouth, share your home, cook a meal, demonstrate Christ-like love for others in whatever capacity you have, at work, at home, in your community, right here in church, Find a friend. Don't be a stranger. Be a neighbor and learn how to love the way that Jesus did. And men and women, boys and girls, we need to embody the work and the life and the love of Jesus and send other people to him. We need to be the people of the way who show people the way to the way. Amen? Amen. Amen.